Tonight at Animal Cafe, Jane Velez Mitchell, host of her own show on CNN's HLN, talks about her New York Times bestseller, Addict Nation, an incisive critique on the American culture of more is better, and what that means for animals, the environment, and quality of life. It is a hopeful book. Welcome to our show, Jane. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, What did this book grow out of, and who was it written for? Well, it's written for every single person in America, uh, because we are living in an addict nation, and we all have to be part of the solution. Uh, It grew out of the fact that uh, I'm turning 16 years sober, and after a few years, uh, I started, once the fog wore off, noticing that other people around me were behaving addictively. Um, A friend from high school who used to be the skinniest girl is, is now obese, and Uh, Another friend uh, seems to be slurring her words all the time because uh, she says she has health issues, but I'm thinking, eh, she's hooked on prescription pills. And another one's always shopping, 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 and showing off all the things that she's bought. And uh, none of these behaviors, which are addictive behaviors, are making these people any happier. In fact, it's making them sadder. Um, So what happens is I have a lot of I have the dubious honor of being an expert in addiction because over the course of my life, I've not only gotten sober from alcohol, I've quit doing drugs, I've quit drinking, I've quit eating meat, I've quit eating dairy products, and I've quit eating sugar. And um, so I've gotten a lot of insights into addiction and how they work because I am very addicted in terms of my personality. I've got a very addictive personality. So I wanted to share my experience, strength, and hope and expanded to the non-traditional addictions. We all know about alcohol and illegal drugs and smoking, but there's a host of other addictions out there. Um, Look at the obesity crisis and uh, the fact that two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese, and that is an addiction to food, uh, plain and simple. Uh, If you're overweight or obese, you're a food addict. Um, And within that, there are various subsets. You can be a sugar addict. I'm definitely a sugar addict. And you can also be uh, addicted to meat in my opinion, and dairy products. Um, So I really show people how all of this is really bringing our country down. Uh, Our nation was founded by rugged individualists who cherished their freedom. And so to become a consumer zombie is really the antithesis of everything America stands for. And um, we are more than just mere consumers. We're citizens, and we have to take the power back. We are the first generation, really, the first couple of generations, and it's getting worse with every passing day, that are bombarded with thousands of images and uh, pop-ups and commercials and ads. I've got two TVs going on right here in my office, and they're they're bombarding me with ads all day long that say, you know, if you eat this, if you wear this, if you drive this, if you buy this, if you eat this, if you wear this, if you drive this, if you buy this, you will be complete, and until you do so, you won't be complete. And uh, they associate these purchases with um, happiness, with uh, community standing and status and love and patriotism and all sorts of other very primal things that we seek as human beings. So um, we are it's really like a tractor beam that's pulling us toward making purchases that we don't really need to make. And so the first step we have to do is have a moment of clarity and realize what's happening. And once you have that moment of clarity, then you can uh, seek help. But as long as you're flying blind and don't even know that you're behaving addictively um, and that you are really being manipulated by um, pushers and and forces far greater than yourself, 
uh, you're going to really uh, not be in charge of your own life. And that's enslavement. Addiction is enslavement. It, you might as well have a gun pointed at you. It's the same exact thing. You know, a lot of the issues that you targeted are naturally reflected in animal welfare. And I had to shake my head in recognition when I read sections on punishment as it relates to uh, pit bull legislation and blaming the victim. Uh, puppy mills and legislatures who refuse to go to root causes to avoid the pain of losing corporate supporters. And just the general state of cities, uh, animal sheltering systems, which some compare more to prisons than sheltering facilities. Uh, would you tell us what you had in mind when you wrote about animal welfare and the issues surrounding Well, um, I have uh, two rescue dogs, and I'm getting a third and a rescue cat. And um, I, I, of course, hope everybody does their part in, in certainly never buying an, an animal, but also rescuing these animals. But that's not going to solve the problem. The problem is overpopulation of animals. Um, but if you look at the, just in sheer number, the biggest number of animals that are um, abused in the United States, it's farm animals. Ten billion farm animals are raised and killed for food every year. And um, the conditions that those animals live in, those farm, this quote farm, but it's really factory farm animals live in, um, if you did uh, it to a dog for a couple of days, you'd be charged with animal cruelty. For example, pigs, which have a higher IQ than dogs, uh, live in gestation crates the size of their bodies, never able to scratch themselves or turn around. They become psychotic. Um, this is one of the reasons why uh, 70% of all antibiotics are used on uh, farm animals in this country. 70% uh, of the antibiotics we produce are, are used on farm animals because, approximately 70%, because um, it's like living in the middle seat of, of a crowded airplane. Of course, uh, you're going to get sick unless you get protections against it. So uh, if, if you consider yourself a compassionate person, then you have to ask yourself, do I want to uh, subsidize that, uh, that cruelty? And uh, I would certainly hope that uh, the answer for most Americans, who are very decent people, is no. And so we can change it very quickly. We could uh, turn it around if everybody just wouldn't buy it. Um, it's really the law of supply and demand, uh, plain and simple. And in the Attic Nation, I make the point that every decision we make as so-called consumers, but I say citizens, is not just uh, a personal lifestyle choice. Uh, it's a political choice, it's an environmental choice, and most of all, it's a moral choice. So if you don't believe in uh, that kind of treatment of animals, then you have a moral obligation to, A, not participate in it, and B, uh, do something to stop it, take a proactive stance. And there's many ways to do that. There are many great organizations like Farm Sanctuary and Mercy for Animals that are out there um, doing incredible work uh, that uh, are documenting what is going on in factory farm system. Um, there's also, of course, a connection to human health. Um, there's great documentaries that have come out, not just Super Size Me and uh, Fast Food Nation is, was a film and uh, uh, Food Inc., but um, a new one, Forks Over Knives, has just come out, which I recommend everybody check out. Um, there are There's no excuse for not being educated on this subject today. So uh, that... Well, we have Temple Grandin out there as well. Yeah, that. well, that's a whole other issue. We could discuss that for hours. Uh, I don't know that um, that this claim that uh, methods have been devised to uh, make the slaughter uh, less painful. I've seen uh, undercover video of uh, slaughterhouses um, that will would curl your hair, uh, so uh, because they're so horrific. So 
that's a subject for another day. Uh, the um, they're all on the video. They're all on the internet. Don't take my word for it. Go on the internet and um, <clears throat> do uh, it, Google Hallmark uh, Slaughterhouse, and where we, yeah, there's video of of these uh, animals being run over by tractors. You can hear the moaning of the cows, and I, I refer to that in my book, Attic Nation, which I call an intervention for America. And I say uh, only a sociopath would be unmoved by the moans of those cows. Um, so uh, we really need to take a look at that. Uh, so, yes, that, that, that's the answer to your question. <laughs> you know, I was just saying that there are some people out there trying to change the systems. Uh, well, I mean, the easiest, so way, yeah, the, the easiest way to change the system is to, you know, it, 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 what I have done, and I do offer a blueprint for this, is, is to go vegan, which is a process, not an event. And people say, well, I can't give up cheese. Well, don't give up cheese. But, it, it, but get on the road. And it, it, this, is, this idea of eating meat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner is a relatively new phenomenon in history. Uh, we're consuming more meat than we ever have in the history of humankind. Um, in um, our grandparents' day, they would eat a lot of vegetables and have a little piece of meat in the center of their plate sometimes. And often, if they were Catholic, on Friday, they would have fish. So um, the, the idea that we have eliminated fruits and vegetables... Uh, um, the, Jamie Oliver, I believe, is this new chef, uh, hot chef, and he's trying to help kids get healthy. And he actually showed uh, kids in a, in a school a tomato and asked them to identify it, and they didn't even know what a tomato was. That's how removed kids are today from uh, fruits and vegetables, nuts and grains. And uh, we've been sort of sold this notion that uh, we are exerting our freedom by eating the same thing, a burger, fries, and a shake every day. And it's actually the most restrictive diet on the planet. There are, I I'm, go out and celebrate and go to fabulous restaurants almost every night of the week, and I eat uh, Italian food, and I eat Mediterranean food, and I eat Asian food, and I eat Latin food, and I eat all these great foods from around the world, and they're all entirely plant-based. Um, there's plenty of things that you can eat without uh, uh, putting uh, a dead animal on your plate. So uh, it's something to think about. Okay, one of the more controversial things you talk about is conferring inalienable rights on animals and natural resources. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, because today we say, well, capitalism is doing this. It's not. Um, I'm actually what I would call a compassionate capitalist or a, an environmental libertarian. Uh, some of the um, worst um, atrocities are being – well, let, let me put it this way um, – we have what I believe in this country is corporate socialism, where really we're putting the mom and pop stores out of business, and most of the money is being funneled into a relative handful of super stores and super sites. And um, so big business really, I believe, has its thumb on the scale, and, and most of the agencies that are supposed to monitor these big businesses are actually controlled by those big businesses, and that's because of lobbyists, and that's because that there's a revolving door between those agencies and uh, the industries that they're supposed to regulate. So you have, um, whether it's the USDA or the Interior Department uh, you ha- or the FDA, uh, there's, there's growing evidence that they are, they are actually pretty much um, representing the agencies they're supposed to monitor. Um, their interests are more aligned with the agents, with the with the industries, than with the people. Um, now, uh, if we got to a um, a compassionate capitalism society, um, we we could actually um, give a small mom and pop and and uh, community based organizations and um, uh, 
small, uh, compassionate businesses a chance to flourish, businesses that are concerned with organics and businesses that are concerned with uh, cruelty-free products and businesses that are concerned about uh, what products go into, what what ingredients go into their products. And um, one of the ways we could turn things around is by giving rights to animals and to nature. And, for example, if we gave rights to trees, just as a, an argument, and, and I'm not saying I have all the answers, but it's something I pose as a question, and I don't think anybody should ever be afraid of a question. Um, if we gave rights to trees and we said you have to show a real compelling reason for destroying a tree, automatically what that would do would be to force companies that make paper products to switch to recycle products. Um, they would have to have a higher standard for justifi- justifying uh, the destruction of trees. The destruction of virgin trees around the world would have to, um, there'd be a higher standard for being able to do that. Now, all of these companies that make paper products could switch to recycle because uh, there are companies uh, that are very well known, I don't need to mention them here, that, that have entire lines of completely recycled products, whether it's toilet paper, paper towels, uh, all sorts of cleaning products. So um, you would see pr- if, if, if trees had developed some rights, um, not necessarily the rights that humans have, but some rights, you would see uh, a mass uh, switching of um, corporations to recycle paper. What, w- what you would have is the uh, uh, plummeting of the destruction of forest land. Anytime you see something that says virgin paper, as virgin paper. Okay, that's, that's, think of a piece of paper as a slice of a tree. Anytime I pick up a piece of paper, I think of it as a slice of a tree. So we are, we are really destroying our planet. We are destroying the rainforest, mostly to create grazing land for cattle. But we are also destroying a lot of forests just to make uh, paper products. And it's really unnecessary because we could reduce the amount of paper products by simply all switching to 100% recycled paper products. That's one example. Um, if you gave animals rights and said that these factory farm animals have to have the right to uh, spread their wings, turn around, uh, lie down, uh, be able to see sunshine, be able to move, you would um, radically alter the face of factory farming. You wouldn't be able to take the baby boy veal calves and immediately put them into the veal crates where they spend their lives uh, chained and in dark darkness until their first steps, which are to the slaughterhouse. So you would have a mass change in how um, we we design food and we create food. So those are just two examples that I offer. And um, also, if you had bodies of water that had certain rights. Again, when we use the word rights, we're not saying the same rights as human beings. We're saying some acknowledgement of a basic right um, that would have to be determined. Uh, but you would um, reduce the chance of something like the Gulf oil spill occurring. Uh, that you wouldn't be you wouldn't be creating a situation where that could occur because that body of water would have a certain right to maintain itself. So um, this is a question I pose, and I do feel that it's something that we can explore as a culture. And just as uh, many have suggested, and I mentioned in this book, that we stop measuring ourselves by gross national product and start measuring ourselves by gross national happiness which is a completely different way of evaluating how, our, how well our culture is doing. As long as we just, just um, measure ourselves by gross national product, 
uh, we are automatically equating our success with how much we produce. And that, uh, many feel, is outdated and is really not doing us any good because our gross national product is not creating uh, more happiness. So why don't we start valuing other things in our life that um, are not currently included in that calculation, which would be included in gross national happiness, such as time, right, uh, appreciation of nature. So if, if we valued time and included that in how we measure how our society is doing, then um, we might be able to change our work systems to allow people to have more time um, we would allow people to do more telecommuting, working from home. We would have staggered work shifts so we wouldn't have rush hours. We could have more part-time workers, and therefore we would have uh, less unemployment because you could spread out the jobs. And a lot of this is happening in some of the Scandinavian countries. It's not like I'm making this up out of whole cloth. Um, the part-time um, workforce is becoming almost the norm in some Scandinavian countries and people are are doing well their 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 happiness level is actually higher Denmark, so I think has been named one of the happiest countries uh, because of their uh, ability to uh, put work in its proper place and yeah and exactly. actually make life first and I think that's been pretty standard or at, at least compared to America it's been pretty standard in Europe with regard to how many vacation weeks are given and how much help is given to new mothers this kind of thing that's you know it's all um, in inside the uh, social structure there right and I raise these questions in Attic Nation which I call an intervention for America not because I have all the answers I don't but because I think we really need to start um, looking at uh, our culture and analyzing what's going on because it's in trouble. And um, I, I think this is a patriotic exercise. I don't think anybody should ever be afraid of fresh ideas. And uh, we need some fresh ideas because what's happening now is not making us happier. Uh, we have a prescription pill epidemic in this country. Um, in some states, more people are dying from prescription pill overdoses than car accidents. We have an obesity crisis in this country. Two-thirds of Americans are overweight or obese. Um, we have a debt crisis in this country where people are, are buying stuff because of easy credit that, that did exist until very recently and still exists with credit cards. Um, and to the, the point where you're getting... Yeah, the, we've got yeah, the hoarding behaviors that are a big problem with animals uh, because... You've got that mindset where people think only they can save the animals, whether they have the resources to care for them or not. So you end up well, with 300 animals inside one home. Well, that's somebody who's addicted to uh, animal hoarding. I mean, I cover mm -hmm. hoarding in Attic Nation in depth and, and hoarding of objects, hoarding of animals. It's the same mentality. Um, and, and frankly, I think a lot of people who are, who are uh, described in the media as hoarders are actually breeders. Um, I remember covering this one story where they found oh a whole bunch of dogs in this trailer it was just one of those horrible feces filled houses mm -hmm. and of course the the news media was doing the usual explanation of oh these were animal lovers but it got carried away no they were breeders mm -hmm. they were breeders um so um that's part of a big part of the problem is the breeding um there are some very exciting things going on um with um animal birth control and uh, you should really check that out. Um, there's, a, there's a whole new movement, uh, how to save 600 million um, stray dogs, stray animals. Um, check it out because there's a, a new birth control uh, 
that is coming on the scene. It's it's not gotten FDA approval or anything, but it would literally solve um, the overpopulation, the pet overpopulation crisis around the world. And you should check it out. Thank you. Yes, I'll I'll take a look at that. I did want to go back to um, because we discussed more natural resource. Mm-hmm. Uh, issues than we did conferring uh, rights on animals. So mm-hmm. if you could uh, explain that a little bit, what's your position on that? Well, my position is, as Gandhi said, uh, the, the rate of civ- the level of civilization of a society can be based on how it treats its most helpless, and that's animals. Uh, one day they'll look back on this culture and, and uh, be horrified at how primitive we were in terms of how we um, deal with animals. Uh, it's getting worse, uh, and we. It's really incumbent upon all of us to to speak for the voiceless. Um, and if we conferred rights on animals, I spoke about the factory farm animals. If they had rights, which we did pass in California, we passed some rights, and it was unprecedented. Um, it was called Prop Two, Proposition Two, and it simply said that animals should farm animals should have the right to spread their wings. Uh, turn around, lie down, and be able to to move, basically, mm-hmm. is what the, the proposition said, and it did pass. And it effectively banned pig gestation crates and veal crates and battery cages for chickens. Mm-hmm. Uh, chickens are kept in cages so tight that they have to de-beak the chickens uh, because otherwise they'd peck themselves to death. Click, so um, that is being phased in over time. I, it, uh, it didn't take effect immediately. It's, being, it's going to occur uh, in the next few years, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but um, that kind of thing, uh, that should be across the board all across the country. And um, I, I do feel that if if you uh, had a simple right that animals, uh, whoa, how about this for, for a shocker? Animals cannot be sold. If animals couldn't be sold, um, you'd have a whole different appreciation and of animals. Yeah, and that's been a great program that uh, Best Friends and others have yeah. joined in um, right. changing pet shops to um, a place to adopt uh, from local shelters. And shelters bring yeah. the animals in, and then the, the pet shops get retrained to adopt animals as opposed to, sell, to selling them. So they're not commodities anymore. Exactly. And that's what we have to get out of the national mindset, I think. A a dog is not a bike. It's not a new pair of shoes that gets um, uh, out of fashion and can be left to its own devices or just tossed back to the shelter. Well, also that people just buy dogs. I mean, I I was uh, getting on a plane the other day, and this couple had um, flown somewhere to get their dog from a breeder, you know, and... uh, they were telling everybody about this dog they got from the breeder and the pedigree in the papers. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, and really? They, and they, do, they don't know that the, all the puppy mills, the commercial puppy mills, are, are awarded papers by the AKC? You know, um, so. people have – there's a lot of lying. Every, every addictive behavior involves lying, and this gets back to my book, Addict Nation. Addiction comes packaged in Secrets and Lies. And the addiction to, you know, pets as commodities, and it's, I cover this in my chapter, The Breeders, is um, the lies are that, the, oh, these, these breeders are some, you, you picture some old lady, you know, in reading glasses who has a big backyard and everything's happy, and it's not that way. I had a friend who uh, I had a huge argument with because she got a, a dog from a breeder, and I argued with her, and I honestly, it almost destroyed our fr- friendship. 
she insisted on getting this dog from a breeder because her mother knew the woman and it wasn't really a breeder and da 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 I said whatever well the dog got sick as dogs you get from breeders often do and she tried to reach the woman of course she couldn't reach the woman so at that point I said look I told you I told you this was going to happen this is not some nice lady who is just what accidentally her dogs get pregnant Mm-hmm. Give me a break. People would have people know. See, what people want is plausible deniability. They want to go to breeders because they want a certain type of dog. Well, guess what? You do a little research. You can get that type of dog on the internet because so many people are breeding dogs that are not wanted. That every single pedigree kind of dog, they have an abundance of them that you can get and adopt. So if you want a poodle, there's poodle rescue. If you want a, a Chihuahua, there's Chihuahua rescue. You can always get the kind of dog you want because they kill. Up to, what, six, seven, uh, some say 10 million dogs in the United States every year because they're unwanted, right? Uh, the, the estimates are running uh, four to five million on the adoptive, uh, you know, pets that uh, are, are just tossed aside. Um, and killed. Five million, yeah. and there's cats, and there's all sorts of things. So um, people who should know better um, just want plausible deniability because they want to do what they want to do because... They're still ego-based about the dog. I was in the park and listening to this guy carrying on about the papers of his dog. And I was like, you know, how can this person who is apparently can put a sentence together, semi-intelligent, how is it possible that he is sitting there talking about papers of this dog? And I've got two rescues that I'm walking around. My dogs don't have papers. (laughs) Does does that make them different? I mean, these... It's These, status symbol. You know, it's, it's just the status, same thing as fur coats. Uh, I guess it still is, but not in, with anyone I know. Um, it, it, and until people wake up to the fact of how that actually becomes a coat, what happens to the animals? Well, you've got to um, watch uh, they issues. Have to be willing we to be do a whole bunch of stories it. about fur. We're doing one uh, about fur this evening. We do quite often. If you go to cnn.com/jane, I have a bunch of stories about fur. It's horrific. People are still buying fur, despite everything we know about it. And um, I even saw a woman uh, walking her dog. Plenty of people walk their dogs in fur coats, which is the irony of that is is tragic. Mm-hmm. But I even saw a woman who was walking her dog who was wearing, the dog was wearing a fur. And I said to her, I said, do you realize your dog is wearing a dog? A lot of these dogs, most the biggest fur exporters now, China, China. and they use mm-hmm. raccoon dogs, mm-hmm. and they skin them alive. Yeah. And I've seen the video. Once you see that video, uh, oh, yeah, honestly. No, it's, uh, I've had, I had a friend so, who traveled to China, and she sent me yeah. pictures. I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Beyond comprehension evil. Yeah. And um, so I said to this woman, I said, do you realize your dog is wearing a dog? And, of course, she started screaming at me, and you're ignorant, and this is eco-fur. That's something that they tell themselves now is eco-fur. Like that, like that even exists. There is no eco-fur. Mm-hmm. They're either skin alive or they're anally electrocuted or, I mean, it. The, the animals that are used for fur are are, are horribly, it's, it's, it's beyond comprehension. Again, don't take my word for it. Go on the Internet. But please buy my book, Attic Nation. It is an intervention for America. Uh, we are turning this into a movement. We can all be part of this movement. Um, the um, torture of animals is not limited to what's happening to dogs and cats in this country. Um, anytime you buy a product that says, um, that doesn't say, not tested on animals, um, a household or a beauty product, there's a good chance it's tested on animals. 
Um, that is unnecessary cruelty to the extreme. And so one thing you can do, and I explain it all in Addict Nation, is not buy products that only buy a product, a household product, a cleaning product, a beauty product, a shampoo, a deodorant, any of these products, if it says not tested on animals, cruelty-free. And uh, that would go a long way to reducing a lot of the horror uh, toward animals in this country, uh, the many, many millions of animals that are tortured in laboratories. And it's not always to find a cure for cancer. In, in, and, and I can discuss that, too, at nauseum. I mean, there is a whole school of thought that believes that animal experimentation is very much holding back um, the development of science because it's very easy to get grants for animal testing and it's very easy to produce results. All you have to do is kill so many and show the results. And actually, in this day and age, where we no longer take a boat to uh, Europe, um, we no longer have to you know, stick electrodes in monkeys' brains we can actually look at the molecular and submolecular level and do more sophisticated testing that would actually advance the cause of, of science uh, far rap more rapidly. And I'm not saying this. Doctors and scientists, uh, a growing number of them are saying this. So, um, uh, but, but as consumers, we have tremendous power to eliminate, reduce and eliminate animal suffering. So I would please urge you to consider going vegan and explore that. And I would urge you to buy only products that say not tested on animals. Um, and you can get those at your local health food store. And the good news is that a lot of those products are made in America as well. Um, and uh, what's interesting is they keep saying uh, that we have to spend and we have to shop to keep the economy going. Well, guess what? 90% of what we're buying is made in China. So how's that keeping our economy going? And uh, our, our, the average American salary has remained stagnant over the last 30 years, while the wealthiest 0.01% of Americans who are already super wealthy have seen their wealth skyrocket by 1,000%. Why? Because we're all shopping at a relative handful of superstores and super sites. So we're putting the mom and pop shops out of business. So I say one great way you can make a switch is just shop at your local health food store, which is usually a mom and pop um, and uh, has all these uh, organic, cruelty-free, vegan, uh, biodegradable, 100% recycled, uh, phosphate-free, aluminum-free products that are better for you. They're better for the planet. You know, addiction creates a lot of wreckage. And I explain in Addict Nation that it's really the addictive nature of our culture that is creating the wreckage that is creating global warming and climate change. Um, we are 5% of the world's population. We use almost 30% of the Earth's resources. So, the the atmosphere and the climate is not being destroyed by some hypothetical person out there. It's we're doing it. And in Attic Nation, I give you some tests that you can give yourself to see if you're part of the destruction or not. And um, one of them is like, for example, an inventory. Do an inventory of everything you consume over five days. And that'll give you a real crystal clear idea of how much plastic you're using unnecessarily, how much paper you're using unnecessarily. Um, and, and I urge everyone to do that. But again, you have to be informed to, you have to have a moment of clarity. You have to be informed. And um, if you feel that bad, if you have that feeling of mm, something's not quite right about the way I'm living, the way I'm spending, the way I'm eating, the way I'm shopping, uh, Attic Nation is a blueprint for change and it will help you. Um, really be happy, joyous, and free, and, and free yourself from consumer enslavement. And that's how, uh, that's your prescription for setting people on a different path. So it's all laid out in the book. 
Yes. And uh, you, you, I, I would like to leave you with um, the fact that you mentioned relearning what's important in life and that your book is hopeful. So what would you like people to take away from your book in that regard? Well, um, I, use, I apply the 12 steps to all these non-traditional addictions, the overconsumption and all the others, and <clears throat> food, etc. And um, in 12 steps, there's something called the promises. And they say, if you, if you work these steps, you will have a new freedom. And you, things that used to baffle you will become clear. And I've certainly seen the promises work in my own life. And um, as I've gotten sober from alcohol and struggle with various other addictions, but aiming always for emotional sobriety, and I fall off, I fall off the beam quite often spiritually, but I cr- climb back on. But it, if you check this out, there really is a much happier way. There's a way to be happy, joyous, and free, and to know a new freedom. And that's really why I'm, I'm offering this to people, because I know that there's a way for Americans to be a whole lot happier. Well, thank you for being with us, Jane Velez Mitchell, and we'll see you uh, Wednesday night on uh, March 30th uh, for our chat at animalcafe.co. Excellent. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.